going to talk a bit about kingly culture. And um, just what was up on the screen there. We, we want to arrive in February 15, as I said, to take off. All right? So God has been speaking to us about several things. And as a community, we believe God is calling us to make a clear sound. And that's not mutually exclusive to us. All right? Can I have an agreement? That is not mutually exclusive to us. The kingdom of God, we all call to make a clear sound. But there is something in the word when we reflect on what Mohammed Niku brought to us that there is a dominant flavor that God is asking us as a lifeline community to reflect. And we need to be, we need to be accountable for reflecting that nature. Okay? Um, so while we look at kingly culture, remember the, the four points. It's a kingly culture, righteous rule. What's the next one? The test. Generosity and the other? Restoring revelation. All right, so we're focusing still on kingly culture, and hopefully we get into righteous rule today. All right, so um, just before we go in, if I could just take five minutes just to um, just dispel some myths that I had to, to, to just revisit in my own, um, that may be in my mind, that may be in some of our minds, just that we make sure that we are hearing the word of God as we should, okay? Um, so, when we hear the word of God, we are accountable to produce fruit. Does that, everybody agree with me? Yeah? All right? And the word of God may come forward, and to some, the Bible says, um, the scripture is profitable. It's profitable to edify, to rebuke. So, one word might come from me, and for someone, it endorses what they're living in. And for someone else, it provides a challenge. It shows, hey, this is the place that you need to occupy. All right? So, while we embrace this whole dimension of that nature Christ is asking us to come to, there may be some of us living in some dimensions of it. Some of us may be living in all of it. Some of us may be not living in any of it at all. But we could all hear it, and it propels us to a place of change. All right? So we want... No one's sitting here and thinking that this thing being declared by God, it's kind of unobtainable. At the same time, we don't want anyone sitting here and thinking, I am arrogantly, I'm already that, so there's no adjustment required for my life. Okay? So it's for all of us. Can we say all of us? All right, then. So as we continue to focus between now and February, let us all listen with an ear to hear. All right? If we could just go to... Jamie, if you take us to Revelations 2. I might as well read it. All right, we'll be going through some scripture today, but some of them I will just give the scriptural reference. All right, and what I'm expecting us to do is to go home and to kind of read the before and the after of the scripture, to get it in context, and to add it to the flavor of what I'm saying, all right? We want to be diligent, and we don't just want to, I don't just want to spoon feed. Um, I want us to, to really tear the word apart and ask God, what does it mean to me? So it says in Revelations 2, we all there? It says, to the angel of the, of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who hold the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil, 
and your patient, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false who call themselves, oh, sorry, tripped myself up, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Unless you repent, yet this you have. You hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I think that's a very important part of the scripture there. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. It kind of tracks back to what I said earlier, that we're all accountable to listen to the impartation of God. Yeah? Um, as we go down, we'll see in several other churches, they all had a dimension and a nature of Christ. Revelation is not like the, the letters that were written before um, to the churches by Paul. So Paul wrote to the churches. He, he kind of greeted them. I write to you, this church. I salute you in the name of Christ. Remember this, remember that. And he gave them a farewell. But in Revelation, it was written to us on mass. Yeah, it wasn't just written to one church. So when we read this, I don't want us to think that this is only to the church of Ephesus. All right? Just as, as I said, the word that came from Muhammad Niku, it is not just to us, Lifeline community. It is a, um, it's an impartation from God. Who brought the word to us? Muhammad Niku. What do they speak there in Iran? They speak Persian. I don't believe Muhammad heard a word in Persian and then translated it in English. Nor do I believe he heard in English. And he, you know, he heard an impartation from God he put it into language and he brought it to us. But just like the scripture, we need to unpack the mystery that is buried within there so that we could produce an adjustment in our lives that we could live in a different place, all right? It doesn't mean that where we live from before, expressing relationship, love, and compassion as a community, it doesn't mean that those things are bad. But God is calling us to represent something else in the earth. And when he comes, just as the Bible said with the master who went away and he came back, we can't say we can't show fruit for it. We wouldn't show fruit for it, yeah? God will expect the fruit of that which he brought to us to be represented in our lives, all right? So we're talking here about nature, and we've seen God talking um, impartation to the churches. And he said, to the church in Smyrna. Uh, help me with that. Smyrna. Right. The words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are the Jews and are not, but a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison. You may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. We will see that thing showing up. A sense of God saying, persevere, and I will give you something. Yeah, he will give us something in return. He who has an ear to hear, we saw that before, let him hear what the Spirit said to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. And to the angel of the church of Pergamum, 
write the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Yet you hold fast my name, and you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas and my faithful witness, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So you also have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on that stone that no one except the one who receives it that no one knows except the one who receives it. We'll stop there. But it goes on to several other churches and at the end of each of them have that same thing. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And um, several things that we picked up in there that we read over there, I will kind of reference them as as I kind of unpack what kingdom culture means. But if you were to ask me what am I expecting from today is that we all leave here with a sense of the personal responsibility we have to reflect that which God is bringing to us. Yeah, we know that scripture about working out your own salvation, but that doesn't mean that you work it out in the absence of community. Yeah, God said in, in I think Psalm 65 um, or 68, he set the solitary in families. Yeah, and before that he was talking about those who are fatherless and otherwise. So we are those. God sets us in, in community to express his will um, but we have a sense of personal responsibility to steward what we hear. Let me put that in context. Nathan, could you stand? Is Mark here? Mark, stand. Avril. Neil and Phil, I don't think, is here. All right? These represent the core team. Avril, John, and Neil isn't here. Avril, Phil. John, Phil, and Neil, you get the point. But these represent functional leadership, all right? And part of what we do as functional leaders, not in terms of rank, but in terms of function, and function by that I mean serving the community, we are saying, follow us as we follow Christ. Yeah? Um, who could help me? Could you come and help me? You'll be, you'll be Jesus to me. Yeah, you come forward. Two of you come as well. So, uh, Nathan, Mark, and Avril, you all could sit. So, you all come and decide. Come and decide. Come and decide, Charlotte. So, part of what I'm talking about, personal responsibility, we don't divorce ourselves from personal responsibility because of leadership or because someone else stumbled. All right? And it's using a reference here. So, I'm representing the core team in the context of Lifeline Church. Remind me your name. Sadi is representing Christ, all right? So I'm asking you all to follow me as I follow Christ. And you walk ahead. But they are only looking at me in the context to which I'm following her. If I fall short, I may cause a stumbling for them. Say I went around this thing. I may be a stumbling block for them. But they cannot take to God 
that they failed in life because of me. Because their submission to me is only in the context of me following Christ. Yeah? So therefore, work out your own salvation is relevant for them. Okay? For me, the scripture is, woe is me <laughs> if I cause them to stumble. Yeah? And my life must be an example. All right? Thank you, ladies. So, um, we have a responsibility as we hear this word about a clear song and coming to a kingly culture that it would come from what God is imparting. But if in February we arrive at a situation where that isn't reflective in our individual lives, we can't point to anyone else but ourselves to represent the fullness of what God did. All right? But as leaders, we expect that we, in our function, as we serve, God will cause us with others to bring us as a community to a place of maturity. All right? But I don't want us to hear what is coming forward now and think, you know what? I don't like Mohammed Niku, or I don't like that word, it's a bit convoluted, or this thing they're teaching about kingly culture. You know what? I don't like that. I'll excuse that. And, you know, I'll just keep what I have, and then when the next wave comes, I'll see if that is more palatable to me. I used to do that. I mean, you know, until recently, I'm, I'm, I'm studying now Elisha. And I, for those who probably in groups with me, always hear me say, I don't like that chap. Yeah, I, I just think he, he was arrogant, um, petulant. Um, I, I, just, I just didn't like him. And I robbed myself <laughs> by that. Why didn't I like him? Somewhere when I was a child, I read that scripture when he called out that bear to kill those children because they were laughing at him. And I took great offense <laughs> to this guy who will call a bear to eat children because they laughed at him. You know, and then I look, I read the next story I remember when I was a child, and he did something real unorthodox. You see the one who kind of lay on somebody, somebody's child was ill, and he went in, I said, you see that guy? And there's enough profits for me to read <laughs> and to draw from. I would not partake in that. But when I look back now at Elijah and the 60 years that he lived, and he, he, he actually walked in the power of his anointing for much longer than Elijah, the person who passed the mantle on to him. And we listened before some months ago when John was teaching and passing the mantle. And he, he was a guy who, even when he was dead, and they put him in, in a tomb, I think dead bones came to life and a whole host of things. You know, he really, he's a guy, and one of the scriptures, Neil Love, in terms of that axe had fallen into the water. He brought it back out, just touching the water. I mean, he did wondrous things. He's one of the, the apostles who, not the apostles, the prophets, who really walked in the power, both in terms of ministering to the widow and causing a whole army to go blind and wander into a next army that's to be taken prisoner, all right? But um, here was I thinking, because I take offense to that thing, or I don't like how that songs, it's unpalatable to me, I kind of rob myself of a wide cross-section of the scripture, the instruction of God that I could have benefited from <coughs> simply because I wanted to exercise my personal preference, all right? So um, that is a bunny trail, but I'm just saying that to say, hey, guys, all the impartation that is coming from God, you cannot be selective in terms of the adjustments you're allowed to come to your heart from it. Okay? Are we hearing? Am I offending anybody? I'm not saying that to defend myself, but I was talking about impartation. But hopefully, no one is taking offense on what I'm saying. Okay? So, we're going to jump down into... We're going to jump down into kingly culture, but we're just unpacking that. All right? And what I don't want us to do... While I was preparing for this yesterday, um, just reflecting on it again, something jumped in my mind. I was um, 
So let me give you this example. Imagine I, imagine I am, I love to cook. I love to eat as well while I have this. I need trying to do that less. But um, imagine I invite all of you to come to 70 Park End Road for a feast, yeah? Have a barbecue. Imagine it's summer. I know you have to stretch your minds a bit. Brilliant summer day in England. I'm invite. I'm not there anymore. Yeah, stretch your mind, Nathan. <laughs> I just moved from that residence. But yeah, imagine I'm in 70 Park End. I invite all of you up for a meal, all right? So I said, come on this day, at this time, I want to have a feast. So I want to re-emphasize personal responsibilities. That's something God is stirring, so let, 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 let us go with it. And it's, I'm in the house, I'm prepared, I got all of the, the rest, whatever I'm going to cook, I got all the, the, take, the place, the backyard laid out. And it's now 3 o'clock, let's imagine it's 3 o'clock, and some of you have arrived, all right? For some of you, I may have left what I'm doing. I come to the door, I greet you. For others, I may be busy. I send the kids to take your coat. No, no coats then, because it's summer. All right? I'm going to keep in character. <laughs> All right. It's summer. And the kids welcome you inside. Now, we're talking about the sovereign will of God and the moral will. All right? So I'm using this to say, hey, God sovereignly intends something to come to pass. So that thing word Muhammad brought to us, he wants the kingdom of God and by extension us to stand in a position of kingly authority, yeah, representing a kingly culture, having a spirit of revelation, having righteous rule and operating out of generosity. But we have a choice, all right? So some people came to 70 Park and Road, some didn't. Imagine some came late, yeah? The sovereign will of God is that we will become so I have decided I will have the barbecue. That will happen, okay? I will be hospitable. I will cater and welcome you all. But you have a choice. Hegaton may decide, you know what? My head hurts today, or I prefer not to eat barbecue. I'm going for a curry tonight. I prefer that. So he may decide he's not coming. It doesn't change the event. The event is still happening, okay? But Hegaton is not partaking, Nathan may show up late. Nathan may be received at the door. Anthony could get a bit upset. How Nathan has come late and Hans is giving Nathan all the attention. And that's what we often do in the kingdom. Yeah, we know the parable about those who came late into the, the, the toil in God's kingdom. And God received and gave each his wage. But what I want to say is that when I read Genesis and I saw how Adam fell. And when I read before that and I see how Satan fell. It sounds like God failed. And it sounds like he is always going back and trying to start it over again. But if you kind of conclude, if you take the sovereign will of God and you, you wrongly understand the sovereign will of God that it always comes to pass, you could sometimes have a distorted view because you see man or created beings operating in objection to that sovereign will of God. All right? So if we come to February or wherever God is demanding that season for us to change and to morph into that image of that mature position in him, and some of us are not reflecting that, God sovereignly will still perform that which he requires. He may look to our next community, or those of us who represent the thing, we will go on to be something else. Does it mean that those who didn't come, Hegerton and the others, that they would not be still attending the community, or they are not my friends? They will still probably have a level of relationship, but they will not share 
in that thing that took place on that, 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 um, in that season of time. So what I think, I, what, why I'm laboring on this, I just think when we hear these things coming from God, there's a sense in which we have, there's a permissive will of God. Some people call it the moral will. Adam can sin. We can choose. But God ultimately will have man reveal his purpose in the earth. And God will have us as the kingdom of God represent those four things that God said he declared over us. All right? But we have a choice. God may wait 40 years if we don't respond, but God ultimately will have a reflection of that thing. All right? So um, hopefully we're hearing that with a sense of sobriety that, look, we have a choice to become that. God, who don't exist in time, could look to someone else, but we have a choice to represent it. All right? Um, So... We're talking about personal responsibility and how we steward the word of God. Now, um, it, it, it brought me focusing on Muhammad's word to think about, hey, what is, if I want to become that thing, you know the Bible says a man gazing in the mirror and he sees an image and he quickly goes and he forgets it, yeah? We know that scripture, yeah? So we're talking about, you know, it then, it then came to me, hands, what it is you're gazing on. So this is a trick question. I said it at first. This is a trick question. What is trending on Twitter? Anybody? So nobody looks at Twitter. All right. What is trending on YouTube? It's a trick question. <laughs> trending. Is that, I don't know the language. I'm trying to act like I'm, I know the lingo. <laughs> Elsbeth, help me. James, trending is the word, no? What's, what's going, is it viral? What's going viral? Yeah. What's going viral on YouTube recently? Nobody uses these things. You're all just like me. What's trending on Facebook? What are we sharing? Is it the likes? There's something you do on Facebook, you cannot click. X Factor what? X Factor Australia. Nobody's taking the bait for this trick. I realize everybody's restricted. <laughs> I was cleaning my iPad recently, and while I'm rubbing it, I don't know. You know these things, they have, you swipe one way, this comes, or whatever the case is. But I did a swipe, and it brought me something, and it showed me the full iPad history for the last year or something like that. And then below that, it showed me for all the Apple devices. We happen to have um, a few Apple devices in the home. So I saw Kadians, I saw... Mine, I saw my work phone, my, my, my desktop at home. And it, it made me jump. And right there, the Spirit of God says, this is a reflection of you. So here was a trick question. I meet you coming from holiday after the summer, and I ask you, hey, what you read, what, 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 what interesting you read over the holiday? If you quickly run to a novel, that's all right. Yeah? But if I ask you, Using Avril words. How does she say it? Who does Avril accent good? I know she said, What's stirring? What's that thing you say? What's stirring? Yeah? When Avril asks you that. If the thing is X Factor Australia, it possibly can be a reflection of that thing that is in your gaze. Yeah? Interestingly, guess what was on that iPad? A lot of scrabble with Dawn here. Katie and Dawn, they play this thing. She plays 10 o'clock at night. No, Kadian plays 10 o'clock at night. Don't respond first thing in the morning. <laughs> you know, I saw a bit of right move. I saw several other hits of things. But um, 
It was really interesting. I, I don't know that, you know, the iPad or Google or whoever captured all that, but it was a good to see the reflection of the last year of the things to which I am using as my gateway into what God is saying or the things that are appealing to my interests. And I don't know how to do the swipe, so probably you should just try cleaning the iPad or your iPhone and see, <laughs> see if it throws it up for you. Yeah, but as I said, the charge came to me, hands, what it is that you are gazing at. And I talk about that imagery with the mirror. Imagine there's a mirror here. If I am not looking into that mirror and trying to behold the image of what God says, that which I am, I don't have an ability to become it. Yeah? So I need to gaze into the mirror, into the scripture, into the word of God, into chatting with brethren, into encouraging and being, you know, just dwelling in his presence. And through those processes, it produces something that I become over time the reflection of the image of God. Okay? I don't want after the summer to be a good book critic about I, whoever. I don't read much as well. I'm confessing. John Grisham is a popular writer, yeah? Whoever. I don't just want to be a critic of the novel he wrote or whatever the case is. I want to be able to, at every stage of my life, if Avril asks that question, what is stirring, I could be accountable for an evolving, maturing process in my life. Because we are called, the Bible said, we are enlisted as soldiers. Yeah? We're not entangled with the affairs of the world, the scripture says. He says we are called to perfect our purpose, and therefore we have to give an account. And we talked last week about the sense of, we by no right of ours have um, access into this thing. Yeah? Jesus Christ gave it. Somebody had asked me the question in the week what I meant by Gentiles and saying we're unworthy and whether I was saying that um, we had to perform works in order to receive um, that which God has given. That's not the point we clarify that. I clarify that with the individual. But what I'm saying is that we are called to be fruitful. All right? We are grafted in, the Bible says, and if he did this with the Jews who had all the wonders of coming out of Egypt, all the wonders of walking in the desert, and still, with that great heritage, they could not produce a level of increase from their life, how much more so to us who are grafted in, all right? So we can't sit here passively and not produce, yeah? That's no option. Am I preaching heresy? Am I sharing heresy? Yeah? We have no option not to produce. And let us not get caught up in the semantics of this one get five, I only got two. We said, when you come to my barbecue, you can't look at Nathan's plate or Anthony's plate. Yeah? Yeah? We, we, we all called. If you really read those scriptures, every time the Bible talks about talents or gifts, God always asks for 100%. Everyone produced 100 of what they were given. Yeah? So some, it's an issue of measure and stepping into revelation and function because of measure, all right? So if you have five, God is expecting you to produce a hundredfold by the Spirit enablement. If you have two, you're called to produce a hundredfold, all right? If you have one, a hundredfold. Because guess what the scripture says as well? He says, to him who has none, even that will be taken away. So if I don't have anything, why is he taking away something? No, because... The none in that context of the scripture is, is speaking to the fruitfulness. 
So Christ don't look for the one that you have or the five or the two. He's looking for the fruitfulness. All right? So to him who has none, even that will be taken away. So we're all called to produce fruit. Could we agree? We're all called to produce fruit. All right? So if we turn up on that great day or at any point in time, and all we could show Christ is, hey, I'm saved and justified by your grace. That is not fruit. That's the entrance point. Any agreement there? Yeah? So he's not interested in what he gave. He gave that. He's expecting something from that. But as Jamie and Jeremy declared, this is not a seven-point plan to, to attain in something, and this is not by works. So I want us to hear me correctly. I'm not saying God is interested in works. But what God is interested in is a fruitfulness that comes from our lives that represents the kingly culture. Yeah? So we represent also Christ as Jesus walked. He came into the earth and it says he was taken into the wilderness to be tempted. But what erupted out of his life was not a sense of, look, 39 days I have nothing to eat. He wasn't talking about his earthly needs. He was able to still, in that period of crisis, produce the word of God and to challenge the enemy. You know, I was talking to Nalia and Tim, and they were supposed to prepare for today, but I wouldn't pick on them in the interest of time. What I was asking them is, could you pick crisis moments in your life, and is that the place that you could also hold up as representations of the well of God erupting out of you? Yeah? Crisis points, or even places of abundance. Solomon had that. Places of abundance, but in that moment, do you produce the abundance of that which God is requiring of you? And that's a charge to us, that as we focus on him and seek to live in a manner where the culture, where that, well, as I said last week, where that human phenomena that is despite our... our um, what was the thing? Oh my, it fails me now. So it said culture was a human phenomenon that defies a genetic beginning or something like that. The genetic beginning. So, yeah, so if we say our genetic beginning is, is born in sin um, and incapable of, of, of reaching God, God is calling us to be able to produce something where we live, not according to where we started. And we all started in sin. Yeah, we all started in sin, but God is asking us to represent a culture of the kingship so that out of these earthen vessels, as he said in 2 Corinthians, we will produce the wisdom of God. Could we read that in 2 Corinthians? We're going to verse 7, but I'll read from ahead. If you just bring up 2 Corinthians 4, probably 1 to 10 or 1 to 13. Receive mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or oh, is this the right one? Yes, mm-hmm. we are. Mm-hmm. Good. Not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. 
in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, light shall shine out of the darkness, is the one who, is, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way. Stop not... at 13, yeah? Sorry? Okay. Stop at 13, go ahead. 13, okay. Yeah. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always, a carrying, always carrying about in the body of the dying, the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For he who live, we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Knowing that he who raised Lord Jesus will raise, will raise us also with Jesus and will be present with us. Present, present us with you. Lovely. Lovely. So I'm going to pull out some, some points here, some truths. And remember, I'm still talking about kingly culture. So how we operate from a position of dominion, dominion and it's shared among the mass of us. Yeah? But position of dominion shared among all of us, but each of us having a sense of personal responsibility. So one of the things that we want to pull out from there is that that light that is shining out of darkness, that is not... When you see that darkness, I don't want us to infer it to someone else. So we're not talking about darkness being Saddam Hussein or Gaddafi or corruption in Sierra Leone. We often read those things and we see light shining out of darkness and we infer it to someone else. Guess what? We are all born in what? Sin. Where does the glory of God come from? Us. So that darkness we're talking about, that glory that is coming forward, I want us to look in the mirror and say, hey, that's me. God is producing from within me that fallen nature, the glory and the praise of God. All right? And he talked about earthen vessels. I was thinking about that. I went to, to lunch this week with a few guys from um, Lifeline. And strangely enough, all of them ordered Coca-Cola, or various versions of it. Yeah? And it's interesting. The thought just jumped out at me. You know, I don't know the difference between Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or any other dark-colored drink. I don't really drink much fizzy drinks. But Coca-Cola don't get its flavor from the shape of the bottle. Yeah? That is just an earthen vessel. We have come to know that shape of that bottle as Coca-Cola and the branding on it. So my palate can't discern between one or the other. But if I see that bottle, I see that red and that written on it, I say, you know what? That's probably Coca-Cola. All right? But that's the earthen vessel. If I pour that drink in a Pepsi bottle, I don't know if Pepsi bottles are unique, or I pour it into a glass, the DNA of the thing don't change. Yeah? The earthly vessel may change. Yeah? 
but God has poured his DNA, his spirit, that kingly culture that he's asking us to become. He has poured it in each of us. And therefore, with consistency, whether it's a large bottle, a small bottle, or all the evolving shapes of the Coca-Cola bottles, God is expecting us to represent consistently that thing that he has put inside of us. All right? So he has deposited it in earthen vessels. And Jesus Christ came to be the representation of that as well. You know, it said he counted it himself not to be equal with God, but he came and he stood and he showed us how to have relationship. And now, as I said before, as the young lady was representing Christ, he then becomes the image and the thing that we're following. Not John, not Nathan, not Avril. He, and we're following these leaders as they follow Christ, or our growth group leaders as they follow Christ. Because the image, the kingly culture, the dominion, the righteous rule that we call to represent, it's actually him. Okay? Um, let's, let's just move on a bit. So, if I take us to Luke twelve forty eight. So that talks about to whom much is given, much is expected. In fact, Jeremy, no need to bring it up. I'll let's blow through those. You could also take a note of Matthew 8, Matthew 18, 30. So that talks about a level of stewardship to which something is given and something is received back. All right? And we believe if God has given us rich, rich impartation, we are called to represent. We could take note also of Joshua 6. All right? And Joshua 6 is quite interesting, and I'll probably some of you will hear me talk about Rahab quite a lot recently, something God was stirring with me and I think with us in recent times. So, children of Israel and their journey is kind of typifying of us and our walk with Christ. So, we came from Egypt, where there was provision for us, and then we went into the wilderness, the children of God, and God provided for them. They could have murmured, manna still fell. Yeah? Provision came despite them evolving into the mature image. But something changed as soon as they crossed the Jordan. As soon as they crossed the Jordan, there was a sense of personal accountability that came to the house. Okay? So the Bible said the leaders had to, the 12 tribes, had to stay the ark upon their back and step into the water. And he says as they stood, the waters parted. Yeah? So we talk going back there to leadership by example. As John and the core team and all those who have functional responsibility reflect the image of kingly culture, others have an ability also to walk in the power of it. All right? But it also said that they went to Jericho and they had a level of dominion. And what, how did that dominion come? We know about that. They marched around the walls and there was a sense of exalting God. As you know, as I said in the Lord's Prayer, we did that last week when God, Jesus was teaching us how to pray, he said, hallowed be your name. There's a sense of exalting God even before you ask for your daily bread. So there's a sense of exalting God as the new technology through which they were going to gain victory. But I want to go to, to chapter 7, which talks about when they were defeated in AI. And he said, although that mighty victory came, and it didn't say no Israelites died, but I got a sense no one died. Because when you read chapter 7, they were going up to Ai, and the guy said, "Hey, the spies came back. They said, "Look, don't send all of us up there, because it's not much of them. 
So they came to this wise decision. You know what? We'll send 3,000. And 3,000 went up. But why I thought no one died with Jericho is it said 36 of the 3,000 died. And here was Joshua ripping his clothes and lamenting before God. So there's a sense in which they had come into a technology in God where victory was just the thing that they knew. Kingly culture, righteous rule. They just knew how to succeed. And suddenly 36 people died in a battle and they felt as failures. And they knew that something had changed in the spirit realm. All right? So as we come into a place of righteous rule and kingly culture and a sense of dominion, when I say there's a sense of personal accountability, what I want to also suggest is that if I decide to live contrarily in this season, if I forsake my responsibility as a steward to this house to serve, if I forsake my marital covenant, if I decide to live in a compromising way with my children in terms of not encouraging a level of order in my house, and I come here and I stand and I posture myself to share something, calamity could come to me, but could also come to the house. So when I say I want us to embrace personal responsibility, not just for ourselves, sometimes in the sovereign will of God, our actions cause others to stumble, not just because you're a leader, but also because you're part of the love feast. Okay? So we want to give no room and no entrance to this thing that we call in to represent before God, not having its perfect reflection um, over this season. Could we say, I agree to that? Yeah? Are we agreeing to that? Okay. Let's, let's go on to, I have here a sense of how we reflect on that which was, and in a spirit of revelation, having an ability in a kingly culture to produce that which is to come. Yeah? So when Jesus Christ came, part of his kingly culture, and we're going to cover revelation in the next, in the next, in the next time, but it said, this is that spoken by the prophets. Yeah? So Jesus was a present representation of that which was foretold by the prophets. But at the same time, it wasn't just that he be crowned in majesty. He had a function and a purpose to become something. All right? So when revelation comes to us, it's a present download that links that which was, that which is to come, but it has a no application. Okay? So I don't want us to hear this prophetic word or this clear song, and we sit here passively, you know what? I'll probably spend some time over the Christmas break just reading over the notes, and probably I'll catch back up the company of saints, and then I'll arrive in February, and voila. Or I'll take a weekend somewhere in end of January and just read it over, reflect on it, and I'll end up there. There must be a sense in which the revelation has a no application, and there's a diligence to it today. All right? Um, oh, sorry. I thought somebody was asking a question. All right? But ruling course... Ruling, coming into that place of that righteous rule, it has a course. I remember when I came here in 2000, um, I always wanted to join the army. And my mom back home, she wouldn't allow it. Um, she would talk me down against it and obviously loving her. I, 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 you know, I, I just push it backwards. But suddenly I came here and one day while walking through Ilford, I saw this army, army shop front and it said, do you want to be part of whatever, whatever? And I thought, 
I'm going to call my mom on the weekend, but now it's probably Wednesday or Thursday. Let me go and inquire, and I could get the information, and then I tell them. So I told them there wasn't much, much objection. So I joined weekend soldiers. They call them the Territorial Army. Yeah, You go on the weekend, and you play with explosives and stuff, and you, you like yourself. All right. So it's what guys like. But anyhow, uh, all ladies. But I went into the territory. I quickly covered myself there. <laughs> but I went into the Territorial Army. The point I'm proving is ruling cost. So I went into the Territorial Army, and obviously, I was looking forward to that day that they gave us that SA-80 rifle, you know? Uniforms, yeah, first camouflage. I got the camouflage uniform. I was really excited. And then they said, Private Beard, you can't wear that on the streets because there was still the legacy of IRA threats. So we had a threat level orange or something like that. So I had to always stuff it in a bag, go home, take it up, iron it, put it up, wear it in the house. But I couldn't, I couldn't wear my uniform, you know? All this desire to be there. So I took a lot of pictures. I sent it back home. Anyhow, the day finally came on one of the weekends away where they gave me that rifle, gave me that serial number, and that was mine. That's where it ended. The rest of that day is a cold winter's day. That major was taking us through how we cleaned the rifle, we disassembled it, we put it back together. I tell you, that thing is not designed to be interacted with fingers. The blisters, we were all bleeding, the whole platoon. It was cutting us as we were, you know, trying to get that thing done. And, you know, and we, we had a clock that we had to dissemble, put it back together, do it blindfold and stuff like that. But painful as that day was, as quickly as the euphoria of pulling that trigger and feeling that, that recoil and that loud bang, over time, I learned to appreciate that weapon. So something they used to do when we were on base, they were, they, you know, the seniors would always come and ask you to pull the trigger, discharge the trigger. If that thing wanted to do a click, you are in serious trouble. And the language is not very nice. And the punishment that comes after is not also very nice. Because you always needed to have that weapon in a place of safety. Yeah, You could not finish whatever you're doing with the weapon and leave a wrongs in the chamber or leave it in a manner that it can discharge. But I didn't know that at the start, but the guy took us through those paces and over several weeks, several months of doing that rifle, it became automatic that you left it in a safe state. Yeah? You never point, you never brought the, the rifle around in a manner where you could, you know, you always, you carried it in a safe manner. But that came by painful tutoring and learning, yeah? So, what I'm saying I'm talking about, ruling course. For us to move to a place of maturity, it isn't by osmosis. It isn't by passively just sitting here and someone declaring the word of God over you, or you're just waiting in a room in quietness on the spirit to come and change your heart. No. Does the Bible say, that the spirit renews your mind. Yes, he does. And when we talk about um, the spirit of revelation, we'll cover that. So we do not renew our mind just by self-will. The spirit of God does it. But it comes, as we said last week, by obedience, by a diligent adherence. The Bible said, take up your cross and follow me. Follow has a sense of a decision that needs to make. Take up your cross 
What does that represent for us? The point of death. And even Jesus Christ had to do it. Yeah? And he was crying in the garden at Gethsemane. He said, Father, can this cup be passed for me? Okay? But he had to surrender his will, as we also have to do, so that we, that he could be the praise of God in the earth. And we also, there was a sense in which we will not stumble into this kingly dominion. And I don't know why I'm having to harp this, but I, I, I just think, and I'm speaking to myself as well, eh, guys. I'm not just speaking out. I'm speaking to myself as well. The kingly culture that we need to come into could only be apprehended if we are willing to walk in obedience and yield ourselves to something more. If not, we will have a culture, but it will not be one of dominion. And as Andrew read here, there was a sense in which, and it said about it in, in 1 Corinthians 3, there's a sense in which that thing, that report, if somebody was to cut a dissection of this community, if I was to hold a mirror up here, and your face was to be lost in the imagery of the white community, the thing that should be reflected is we must, as a corporate entity, but also because of what we stand in individually, represent a place of dominion. So, you know, the scripture talks about strife, jealousy, the elemental things to which the immature comes into the salvation experience, but they encamp at a place of not moving into the mysteries of Christ. And I want to be one, and I'm sure you as well, where God could ask me to give an account for the fruitfulness in my life, and in February or beyond, and in whatever season, I'm kind of representing the unlocking of the mysteries. You know, as, as so, when we were praying there, some, I think some, Nathan, just before you introduced me, where, where our brethren in Sierra Leone, though they are afflicted, as Mark, the last song Mark said, that we could stand on the rock, that though we are overwhelmed, PJ and myself was talking about that this week, even though we grieve that people that we know may probably face death, it cannot come to a place where we are feeling as victims to the situation. And that happens in our life as well, right here. Where through sickness, through a job situation, through whatever it may be, whatever aspiration, something happened in the house or whatever, physically, that we cannot find ourselves in a place where we are not representing a sense of dominion. All right? I don't believe, this is my belief, um, so I'm not using scripture to back it up, but I don't believe God has called us to change circumstances. I believe he has called us to rule over it. And when I read that scripture with Christ and the storms, Jesus didn't say to that storm, I banish all storms and hurricanes to never come again. All right? But when, I, when, when the situation came, he took a position of authority over it. And I feel that is where we are called to, to have a sense of dominion. All right? Does it mean that I may not get sick? Yes, I do get sick. I visit the GP, but I don't form an unnatural relationship with the GP or his medicine cabinet. I don't find an unhealthy relationship with ibuprofen or Tylenol. Yeah? That GP leaves that surgery, and he goes back home, and he lives. If I camp out there waiting for him to come back to, and talk to me again, you know, imagine he's a psychiatrist or he's, he's you know, a doctor that deals with family, doctor, whatever the case is. If... I only sit at that place to receive that remedial medicine. I'm not moving to a place of maturity. Okay? We feed formula to babies. We as adults, we are called to deal with the meat of the word. All right? So 
as I said, as we go through this, this, this series, I'll be giving scripture, I'll be sharing some principles, but what I'm expecting each of us to do, as I'm also doing in my life, is to take that thing that is coming forward, not my accent, not my words, that frequency that you're hearing in your head, the Spirit of God is turning your hearts with, and you're going home, and you're personally stewarding this thing so that God could bring you to a place of fruitfulness. All right? And we know what it says in Romans. I think it's Romans 8 or 13. Paul, said, you know, Paul was being a bit sarcastic to the community. And he said, look, I know of no iniquity in my life. Yeah, that's what Paul said. He said, but guess what? God is the one who reveals the thoughts of the heart. So on that day of judgment, he will reveal those hidden things in my heart. But we often quote the scripture that comes just after, which is, do not judge. <laughs> yeah? But Paul only went into that, do not judge, by first standing in the authority that he reflected the fullness of that which Christ revealed to him. Okay? So it's not an excuse. Do not judge is not, uh, you know, I know what I'm suffering with, so I wouldn't tell anybody about what's going on with them. Paul did it from a position of authority. He said, I know of nothing where I am not reflecting that thing that Christ is saying to me. However, there are hidden things that only on that great day God will reveal and God will judge every man according to his own works. So on that basis, even though I stand in that place, I will not make a boast in myself, but I allow Christ to make a boast in me on that great day. Yeah? I allow him to be the praise. Okay? So, um, just as we wrap up, what we're talking about, we're talking about kingly culture, but the point I wanted to see to us this morning is how do we step into kingly culture by first understanding it is not something that is just going to be thought, that's going to find in the scripture, that is just going to come by somebody mentioning something to you by some level of osmosis. I wanted to just encourage us that there is a sense of personal responsibility to become this thing. And it has a lot to do with how you steward the word of God. And the word of God, as I said as a start, is not Persian. So it wasn't what God declared to Mohammed Niku. It's not English. It's not just those four points. But it's a frequency of the heaven. And God said to us, he has given us the spirit of God who is able to quicken those things and bring them to life so that we could stand in the power and the authority of that which he declared. All right? So... We're going to come to righteous rule. We're going to come to all those things later on. Um, as I, this is my technique. I'm telling you what I'm, what I'm using. This is my technique. You've got to discover your own. But we're going to have principles together. So how I've capsulated, put it in a nice little package so I can unpack it, hide this backpack, take it out from time to time and look at pieces of it. I have it as a, I went about two years ago, three years ago, my friend was called to the bar. Yeah, that's barristers. That's, they go to the inner temple and they take an oath, something like doctors, like Hippocratic oath, in order to um, what they're going to do. So the image of me with this whole thing is, I am like a barrister. And have anybody gone doing jury service or gone into a courthouse? If you have, you will know that those guys are there. There's a case, there's a fax. And then those guys start spitting case law. They can't stay reference this in this year and that in that year. And they seem to have their own language 
that has nothing really to do with the case, but they're overruling, sustaining, and doing a whole series of things based on case law. So this is my imagery of the thing. I'm called to be a barrister. That's my kingly culture. That gives me right of access, the right of I'm adopted. I'm called to represent Christ. I could stand in advocacy. Yeah, advocacy just means to represent on behalf of others. So I could represent God's rule in the earth. Um, case law, this new language that people are talking about, is the scripture and the word of God. So I could speak into a situation where one minute this could look right and the other minute that could look right. But that only happens because of that thing which God is saying. So it's not linear. It's not this person is wrong and therefore um, we don't even need to go through the court proceedings. We can just send them down. Generosity has to do with the mercy of God. If I have, simple example, 10 apples now, and I'm generous to Nathan, I'm giving him something what I have, yeah? But I have to have it first, all right? So that word of God that came to us with a heart of generosity, that's not just sharing cars and sharing homes and sharing those things. That is sharing kingly culture, righteous rule, and all those eternal things that have ability to last. So what I want to share with Nathan is hope. What I want to share with Nathan is the ability to speak a word of empowerment into his life. Not just physical things, but it will also represent itself in physical things. Do we agree with that? Yeah? But the generosity I want to be able to declare and, and to bring to pass in this new season is something that is eternal. All right? And what is the next one? Righteous rule? Yeah, so that's the ability to stand in that courtroom situation represents the dominion of God and bring to pass with the judge and the other barrister the order of life. Yeah, so that's just my little imagery. How do I, hands, because of my election, could stand in a place of representation using the word of God, be it scripture, impartation, the Holy Spirit, to bring a sense of order and even at times bring mercy to situations or declare judgment on situations because I am connected to something else. All right? And I will encourage you to um, find ways where the language or the frequency of that which God is declaring makes sense to you and you are able to steward it and represent it. This is what it means to me. So if Avril asks that question or whoever else, what is stirring? What is God saying that you could be accountable to it? So that's me. Nathan, back to you. Cheers.